Cameron, I want to serenade you. Cameron. Cameron. It's a Cameron. Welcome What'd to Hollow think? Earth Part 2. What'd you think? What'd you think? Oh, listen to this. Give me some notes. Give me some notes. Give me some notes. You do. I do. What? That's why you're here. Wait, okay, wait. No. Here's the Hollow Earth theme song. There it is. That's it. You say wow. your it's it's underwhelming. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. What's that? I see how it is. So I didn't no, hear it's fine. you. I'll just delete mine. Oh, no, you're. We can we can just use that from now on. We yeah, have this a theme. No, this is the specific Hollow Earth theme song. No, it's okay. Oh, I was write not a fresh the conspiracy what theme song. If we go find Sims holes at the top of the planet and we put really long strings over it. Can we play yeah, the planet hot. like an instrument? Yes, because it's hot. <laughs> yes, we can. Because look at this. Look at this ukulele. Because like exactly. guitars are hollow. Yes. Because they. Well, act, yeah. But there'd be an, a hole on the other side of the ukulele that will let the sound out. Oh yeah, we'll you're right. We have to plug the southern. We can we'll plug, plug the southern. No problem. Let's do it. Let's get it. That sounds amazing. Right, we should start it. this podcast. We are. We, we have. started. We already introduced. We're on it. a roll. Hi, Robert. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Robert. Hi. Welcome back. How's it feel to be back after a week? It's been a long time. Yeah. No. It's uh, it's been so long since I've seen you guys. I'm definitely not already tired of <laughs> Sims holes. Yeah. Well, it's now it's a fresh experience because it's been a week. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been a week. We've it's taken lots of naps. We're not trying to emphasize this, but it's been a week. Mm, so this episode, still talking about Hollow Earth. Hi, also, Allie. Yeah, hi. hi, Allie. I was going to do that, right? That's yeah. Jason. Hi. Yeah. Hi, Cameron. What's up? You just hi, said Cameron. we need a stronger opening, and this is the shit you're doing? <laughs> this is a great opening. <laughs> oh, Fuck now this. it's a great opening. It's, Conspiracy. It's great because Cam did. Yeah. So yeah. we are on Hollow Earth. Part two. You, you damn right we're on Hollow Earth. Part two. Hollow tendency. <laughs> hollow tendency. Hollow yeah. revolutions. Oh man. Uh, yeah. So like the last episode, we talked about yeah, a whole so bunch like the of last stuff. Episode? Uh, we talked about yeah. We like, talked about like yeah, so like, many things. Mm-hmm. Science. Science. Like cult. Alchemy science. Cult science. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to kind of review that? What did we talk about? We talked about, uh, Robert, about you shit. mentioned Sims Holes. How are you guys forgetting this? We just did it I'm last not week. Shit. We just <laughs> did it last week. Okay, we talked about some ancient myths. We talked about how the underworld is kind of like the origin story of Hollow Earth. We talked about H E double hockey sticks. Yes, H E double hockey sticks is Hollow Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about people that we are scientists. We talked about Edmund Haley. Oh, this is out of order. Holly. We talked about Haley, that guy with the comet. That guy what with the comet and such. Um, we talked about uh, Leonard, Leonard Euler. And we talked about Sims Holes, of course. We talked Robert about Sims Holes. We talked about Sims Holes and the man who loved his holes, Jeremiah Reynolds, the mm-hmm. famous not pirate. <laughs> but his crew was. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about... Our favorite cultist, Cyrus Reed Teed. Otherwise known as the reincarnation of Jesus Christ himself, of course. <laughs> Otherwise known as Koresh. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Messiah formerly known as Koresh. <laughs> <laughs> Not so to be mixed had... up with David Koresh and the, I believe, Children of God cult. 
Different thing. Different thing. Weirdly. So we had we had love. We had loss. We had science. We had not science. We had alchemy. We had pirates. We Drama. Had cults. Romance. Comedy. Suspense. A different genre. <laughs> Coming to you. Live from Musicals? the inside of the hollow earth. Uh, so last time we talked about a lot of the, uh, whether you want to call it or science or some of us want to call it pseudoscience. No, it's We science. just went through it. But this time we're going to kind of get into some of the more, basically a lot of our theories on this one are going to come up after the 1900s. Uh, most of them around like 1920s. Uh, but before that, uh, we're going to get into some literature and kind of how it affected pop culture and the like all the inspiration that writers have had from this hollow earth theory because if one good thing has come out of this hollow earth theory regardless of what you want to believe about it it is a lot of cool stories some great obviously. fiction some amazing tales uh and one of the first most important writers in this whole setup uh i guess not one of the first i guess we could talk about sims <laughs> Sims, as we talked about in the last episode, uh, Sims holes. He believed that the Earth was like possibly like four thousand miles wide at the top, Should six thousand miles wide at the bottom. We've said Sims holes. How? I think we're at Robert, like twelve. Offhand, how it? wide is the Earth? Oh, that's <laughs> um, the Earth is about six thousand three hundred kilometers wide. So the bottom of the planet is pretty open. Yeah, uh, basically a funnel. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's uh, if this is correct, um, the Earth is essentially a hemisphere with a top with a hole in the top. Yeah, um, it well, seems like they might have gotten some of their math wrong. Let maybe, me ask though, maybe. I've seen exact replicas of the Earth on those little spinny globe things, and there's always holes in the top and bottom. How do you explain that? Yeah, <laughs> take that. You can't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, already <laughs> overloaded my brain. <laughs> uh, we do have a legitimate picture that we'll put up. I forgot to mention this last episode. Uh, Sims globe is still on display to this day. Um, oh, is it, and he cut a hole in the top to make it wider to fit what he thought should go there. Mm. Uh, I really love it. It's great. We'll put up a picture. Um, so let's start with them books. Let's start the with best, books. Best uh, Hollow Earth book. I didn't. Go. I was going to start with Sims. Okay, what's your favorite Hollow Earth book, Cameron? My favorite Hollow Earth story? Yes. That's Journey, to, that's Journey to the Center of the Earth. All right, Robert. Oh, gosh. Um, movie or book? Because for me, Journey to the Center of the Earth is a movie because I haven't just, read the book, so it's just well, a story. You know what? In, uh, in this case, I'll take a step back <coughs> slightly from the question and say um, that all of this speculation about the Hollow Earth led to one of my favorite sci-fi tropes, which is the Dyson Sphere, which is essentially a giant artificially constructed sphere around a sun designed to use 100% of its energy. Um, mm. Ring World and Halo are also similar versions of this. Oh, that's oh, true. Yeah, that's I cool. just really like that. Okay. I dig it. All right. Jason. It's this little ditty, this little classic film called Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Yeah, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Perfect example of how Hollow Earth works, how Hollow Earth is real. Not like Israel, but like Israel. <laughs> <laughs> we found it! And, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I think it's classic. It's a, it's a touchstone for our generation. It has the hilarious squirrel, immortal god, Scrat. Yes. Going again up to all kinds of nonsense. It is Worship. hilarious. It is fun for the whole family. It's a tearjerker. Allie, what's your favorite? 
I don't know, but I like the idea that Poe wrote one because I also haven't. I don't think I've read a Hollow Earth story. I oh, really also Gears read, of War. I really want to read Poe's Hollow Earth. He has two but or three I've Hollow Earth stories. I've heard and read descriptions. Um, his was called uh, the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym. Yeah. Um, sounds gruesome as fuck. Because yeah. Poe. Well, um, yeah. And yeah. I would like to read it. Yeah, we'll get into it too. Uh, but starting with some of the most important. Uh, Hollow Earth fiction is Sims, going back to Sims. Uh, he, when his ideas couldn't get off the ground, he went ahead and just wrote fiction. Uh, and this basically all culminated in a story that is about a place called Simsonia. Yep. Uh, and the Simsonians. <laughs> uh, he was, didn't pull himself out of the story very much. Uh, so of course not. Where his, does he get these names? His story Simzonia. is considered not the first utopian novel. Voyage of Discovery. My bad. There's more to it. But his <laughs> his novel is not considered the first utopian novel by any means. There is one called Wait, Utopia, written in the 1500s. It's considered the first American utopian novel. Oh. And even oh. then, there were American utopian novels written before. It's just often considered the first one. Um, but it, it did kind of inspire a lot of what we see today in American writing. Uh, those, I mean, we have so many utopian stories. We all know that. Uh, but he wrote this story and his whole idea was that once you get into the earth, like everything there is peaceful and loving and perfect. And it was basically just him fantasizing about something he couldn't find. I mean, that's kind of what it comes across to me. It, as is just someone sails there they find this magical race of beings who live down in the center of the earth and they have technology beyond your wildest imagination and there are extinct animals that we don't get to see anymore. It's like everything's over-fantasized. Uh, and that is Simsonia. I, I have not read it and the details I found on it were scarce and that is like the majority of what I found. But essentially it is just like a peaceful novel. I'll make a Goodreads list for you guys. Um, <laughs> Hollow Earth. Okay. Hollow Earth, good. Look yeah. for that. Yeah, well, I, I would do it with the library idea. that look I work at, but not everybody is going to know that. And look we're going to look for the Hollow Worth book club sticker on the front of the cover. Yes, we should start one. Oh, we yeah. should. That'd be a great. Conspiracy say what? Pick of the month. Yes. Oh, I'll pick some oh stuff. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> Wait, hey, come on. Did you, you do any of your research on Pornhub this time? I was about to say you can't put a sticker oh, on Pornhub. I was going to, but then I didn't have time. But I mean. Don't go type Sims <laughs> holes into Pornhub, please. No, well. <laughs> oh, God. Just keep, you know, keep doing what you're no, doing. No, quit. Get off your phone. Okay, who, what's the next book? Uh, so, that was one of the most important ones. Uh, Reynolds wrote a lot of... One of the... No, no, there's one that's the important one. Well, that's one of the most important early ones, is what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, but Reynolds, Jeremiah Reynolds, you may remember him as the assistant to Sims, who eventually kind of found his own way uh, and moved... Moved us closer to finding out more about Antarctica, whether intentional or not, honestly. Uh, he wrote a lot of a lot of literature on the subject. Now, whether or not he wrote it fictionalized or nonfiction, it seems like he kind of might have blended a lot of that. Uh, blended reality with a little bit of non-reality, just for some fun. Because uh, he had sailed to certain points, but he hadn't necessarily found any of the holes. So there are... Oh, God. There is a mixture. I just um, saw your Poe notes. <clears throat> Yeah. But Reynolds moves, Reynolds moves us into one of the most important writers in America. One of the most important American writers, at least. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Who, he lived around the same time 
as Reynolds. And not only that, but they lived around the same place in Virginia, I believe. I think it was Richmond. Uh, they were totally friends. There's a good chance. And th- there's a lot of reasons why. Uh, he's known for a lot of his, you know, like, gloomy outlook on life and his very 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 dark stories as Ali mentioned uh he wrote a he wrote one novel his only published attempt at least uh the like narrative a full, like straight through novel oh yeah just a short story it, it's the narrative of arthur gordon pym and it is about a voyage to the center of the earth or it's more center. it's it's a voyage near the center of the earth he plays on the ideas that came before him and the ideas of Reynolds, who he very much read Reynolds literature. Uh, and he uses that in his story. But this is not where he started with his Hollow Earth writing. Uh, he also had written a story. Um, find it. He, his first story that ever put him on the map uh, before he was an editor or anything, it was a $700 prize that he won from a magazine called Miss Found in a Bottle. Uh, it oh, is what? Miss Found in a Bottle. Ms. Dot Found in a Bottle. Oh, yeah, like a person. Yeah, and it's a short story. Uh, it was actually in a compilation of other short stories. Supposedly those um, those have been kind of lost, but supposedly some of those had uh, some other Hollow Earth stories in them. He was fascinated by it. Uh, he took the idea of Sims Hole, and he took the idea of some of what Sims had written in Simsonia, and he took a ship. And destroyed it. So it gets destroyed by a storm. And then as it's destroyed, this character is tossed into another boat. It sees this boat falling downwards. Like the person sees the boat falling downwards towards them. And it's this black pirate ship. It very much reminds me of Pirates of the Caribbean with the Mm. Black Pearl. And on board... It was Reynolds Pirates. (laughs) Jack Sparrow was one of Reynolds Pirates. On board the ship, going back to Pirates of the Caribbean, is a zombie crew. Uh, funny enough. And basically the story ends with this person putting the note in the bottle. So that's, you never know what happens to them. But that was like his original Hollow Earth story. It's very much a dark take on what Sims had created. Very much a Poe take. Um, but then you move into the uh, narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym. Right? Yeah. Longest published attempt. Uh, a lot of ties with Simsonia. Um, he just adds a horrifying narrative to it. So it's all dark, gloomy. I mean, just like, it's Poe at his best. Um, How many times are you going to call his work dark? I love Poe. Uh, that doesn't but, answer her question. No, no it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> but he kept the themes of both Reynolds and Sims. Uh, though this is where it kind of, the speculation comes about of whether or not he actually believed in hollow earth theory because he worked as an editor for um, a magazine for a while. And during that time, there was an anonymous review of Jeremiah Reynolds work. Uh, It was the voyage of the Potomac. And this review loved the book. And again, it was anonymous. So we don't know specifically that it was from Poe. However, he was the editor of the magazine at the time. Most likely it was from him. Uh, and this brings up the point that they might have been friends. That might have been why he kept his name off of it, because they knew each other so well. But the quote from the review says, uh, Reynolds will be remembered as the associate of Sims in his remarkable theory of the earth and a public defender of that very indefensible subject upon which he delivered a series of lectures in many of our principal cities. He continues to write, 
He writes well, though somewhat too enthusiastically, and his book will gain him reputation as a man of science and accurate observation. It will form a valuable addition to our geographical libraries. It didn't. But it did because of the exploration of things like the North Pole and the South Pole. Yeah. And it did inspire future literature. So it was important. Mr. Cynical Robert, what's your opinion? (laughs) Do tell us. Well, uh, yes, you're right. Obviously, it... Raising questions about whether or not the Earth is hollow did actually give us some real scientific data because people went to go check. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But... Who has heard of Reynolds out of this outside of this podcast? Right? Yep. Yeah. It's I'm true. a fan. I've read all of his work. But you've heard of the stories that in, that were inspired by Reynolds. Sure. You've heard of the fantastical fiction. The big thing about this is that with the whole Reynolds Poe connection, one of the most interesting factors here is that Poe died very in a very strange manner. Very odd. Uh, it kind of fit his whole aesthetic. And he he was brought to a hospital in Baltimore. And he, witnesses there say that he, for like hours on end, was just saying the name Reynolds consistently. He was just like yelling it out. So most likely that also, I mean, with that tie into him, I mean, unless he was just losing his mind and he was saying like the one name he could remember since he did read his works mm-hmm. i mean it's it's hard to say but most likely they were probably friends um but he yelled that for hours until of course he said maybe his, lovers yeah his, that's also what i was wondering poe was married to a female uh his cousin so fucking but, what this was the 1800s true uh that's also that's one thing i was wondering i didn't see anything about that but i don't know no one else has theorized that i guess mm-hmm. but he then utters his last sentence uh lord help my poor soul which is still just haunting to me that that because is he's how someone he thinks he's dies. going. Yeah, I think he's going to heck. Lord help my poor soul. I just like I can't imagine being the doctor in that situation. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be uncomfortable. Yeah. But what didn't he die of tuberculosis? Yeah. Nobody. So that, I've that's what I've heard. I've read a lot of theories about how he died. I also read another theory that says that he died on a bench in a park and he did not die in a hospital. That's what I've always always heard. Exactly. Park bench. But there are records of him dying in a hospital. But who knows what that? Poe is a very mysterious human being. Mm -hmm. An extremely mysterious human being. But the reason why his uh, his stories about Hollow Earth are so important is because he goes on to inspire Jules Verne later, um, who is the most famous writer for the Center of the Earth. Obviously, with Journey to the Center of the Earth. Uh, before Jules Verne, a man named Charles Baudelaire, 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 Baudelaire. Baudelaire. Uh, anyway, he in 1847, uh, about two years before Poe died, um, he had fallen in love with Poe's writing, saying that they were like lost kindred spirits. They also looked kind of similar. They both had large foreheads. Uh, which is kind of funny, uh, but that's what he felt like. No, this is—it's a point because that's what—that's part of the reason that this part of the thing that drew him to Poe's writings is because they looked similar, they had similar thoughts. He said that uh, Poe was writing things twenty years before that he was thinking right now, and that's kind of where you know, like they had the same mindset. That was the whole point. Uh, so he decided to painstakingly translate every single Poe story into French, uh, just by his own admission. Um, and he 
really wanted everyone to be able to enjoy this. Now, one of the people that ended up this this ended up being so important for is Jules Verne, who was a Frenchman who only spoke French throughout his life. Did not speak a single other language. So he That's what that means. Hmm? Okay. He's but, say it in different ways. <laughs> but he uh Now did he speak English? He did though. Oh, okay. But in French. But no other he spoke English and French. Oh, gotcha. I hear oh. his Spanish was very good, but it sounded a lot like French. And it was... French. Francois. And he could really get around Russian if those Russians were speaking French. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Really well. If he met someone who spoke like German, if they spoke French, great. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> they spoke really. German? No. <laughs> no. This is such a weird overextended bit. <laughs> so who wants to talk about Verne? You ever seen Journey to the Center of the Earth with Brendan Fraser? It's a good movie. It's a good Written movie. by Jules Verne. Directed no. by Jules Verne. Yeah. Edited by <laughs> Jules Verne. Quite. It wasn't actually Brendan Fraser. It was, it was Jules, Jules Verne. Verne. Yeah. So th- that book, was. it was 1864. Yeah, Jules Verne. Journey to the Center of the Earth, man. Inspired like one of like the most famous early science fiction writers, I'd say. Right? That was his whole deal, right? What, Jules Verne? Yeah. 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 Aside from... Into the Sea. Uh, John Carpenter. Uh, around the World Bullet, 80 Days. Bullet to Moon, whatever. Uh, Earth wasn't, that, to the moon. wasn't that inspired? It, that like that? Uh, it inspired Trip to the Moon. Yeah, that's one of my favorite films. Sea. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's on the book. You ever seen that movie where the fucking the rockets in the the moon's eye? And it's like, ew, there's a rock in my eye. Oh, the <laughs> George Millier's Trip the, to the Moon. Yeah, those the Lumiere brothers. Nah, it's George Millier. Huh. Yeah, it's one of my favorite films. We could actually put that up because it's on YouTube. We should put up that yeah. film. Uh, but going through my notes here, yeah, Jules Jules Verne, uh, big science fiction writer. A lot of people when they would try to, I don't know, if, were like all those like steampunk illustrations that come like while he was writing them, or did other people just kind of? Some of them came in his lifetime. Uh, others came after his lifetime. But yeah, because uh, I always, whenever I think of Jules Verne, I think of those really cool looking like gold and purple. Cool looking ships. And Funny stuff. enough, a lot of that actually started as just kind of a segue off of uh, Jules Verne. A lot of that started because of Hollow Earth stories in general. There was a huge influx in Hollow Earth stories between. So Hollow Earth is steampunk as fuck. It really yes. is. I mean, between the 1800s to like 1910-ish, uh, Hollow Earth itself was very much just all steampunk imagery. It was like the beginnings of it almost. That's it felt like. great. It's really cool. I looked at a lot of the pictures. A lot of the, mm-hmm. a lot of the like imaginations of artists came in steampunk. I have an obscene amount of steampunk stuff. Different than Poe here, even though Verne was inspired heavily by Poe, he didn't seem to be as connected to the center of the earth theories. He didn't believe in them necessarily. I was uh, gonna say, what does he know? He about was just inspired. Just like he it. heard about it and he's like, "That's a cool story." No, I mean, he read Poe, and Poe was—I mean, he had written a few very heavy Hollow Earth stories, so that's what ended up inspiring Journey to the Center of the Earth. But he was also inspired by someone we brought up at the very beginning of our last podcast episode, uh, which was Athanasius uh, Kircher. So Verne's ideas about how to get to the center of the earth, he didn't like the whole Sims hole theory. He thought it was ridiculous that there would be a giant opening at the but top Sims of the world. Holes. So Sims holes. Yeah. Much probably to Robert's things, I assume, that he didn't believe that. But <laughs> but what he did use is he used the idea of Kircher, who had the idea of lava tubes and waterways, and he took that and he made them old lava tubes and waterways that you could find still in the Antarctic uh, area. 
So what his crew does in the book is they find this and they use that to travel down because that you eventually mean it's goes not just into a the straight center shot of the through a giant hole at the top Weirdly, of the planet. No, weirdly, wow. have to go is on a journey. There aren't falling dinosaurs going. Oh no, it's falling! <laughs> just infinitely falling. They go like right through the core through and, and then out. like up to the and the other wall and then up back down through. Yeah, they just keep. And then at one point, they just fall out of the hole. Mm-hmm. And They're like, oh, that was a close one. They trip and they fall at it again. <laughs> and again, this isn't to say that he didn't know about Sims theories. He definitely did. Uh, in a quote from that he wrote in his book, The Desert of Ice, um, he says, in recent times, it has even been suggested that there are great chasms at the poles. It is through these that there emerges the light which forms the aurora and you can get down to them to the interior of the earth. Huh. So just straight, that, that, That's just a straight up call out. Yeah. He knew, so he knew, but he didn't agree. So what he wanted was he wanted just the waterways instead. Mm -hmm. He wanted something that was more subtle. I very much appreciate that. It's one of the things I've always loved about Journey to the Center of the Earth is the idea of like finding a cavern. And again, we talked about the difference between subterranean caverns and like the hole in the middle of the earth. The real science. he took both of those and combined them to get down into hollow earth. He does that to a ridiculous notion later on in Journey to the Center of the Earth. As we'll see, he uses a waterway... And in a completely absurd way. But um, he that that was his idea behind it. Uh, basically, like the, the book that I read, Standish calls it a journey to the center of geology because the way he wrote it. Whereas Poe was very much about the fiction and the fantasy and the like all of that and like the morbidity to it. Vern was about the the science aspect of it for an art form that was just beginning. In his time, geology was give or take like 70, 75 years old. So it was not old at all. It was something that they were just figuring out. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of this, he was heavily inspired by that, uh, even to the point where after releasing Journey to the Center of the Earth, uh, originally he re-released it with added chapters and switching some of the facts for what matched up at the time. He also took liberties, but he added in some uh, real, real for the time. Did he add anything to the theory? Did anybody like... Like, did his stories add a new Hollow Earth version? I mean, if you look... Like, to an actual science? If if you look at, like, modern Hollow Earth theories, they're pulling from Burn a little bit. But that's, like, their own inhibitions, basically. The Um, pseudoscience informs the fiction, which informs the pseudoscience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh But this is where Vern had a little bit of fun. Like, he was wrong about a lot of different things. It was just... It's hard. There were so many different... I think there were, like, nine to ten classifications of, like, scientific unions, basically, at the time that all believed different things about geology. Some of them were right. Some of them were wrong. Most of them were wrong. (laughs) But he had to pick and choose which one he wanted to believe because at the time, no one really knew. So he does that correctly at sometimes and then sometimes he like doubles back and is incorrect about the same thing so it can get kind of confusing if you look at it from a science standpoint Mm -hmm. but this book did give us one thing that i love gave us our first dinosaur battle ever in literature (laughs) dinosaur which i think is a lot of fun because before this point nobody had really ever thought about putting dinosaurs like in just straight up literature because there wasn't really a reason. Again, geology is pretty young at the time. Mm-hmm. Everything else, like they, they weren't a real thing. Nobody had really put together a model. In fact, the first model of a dinosaur was put together in Vern's lifetime. 
So dinosaurs, those are real. It's just it's just fascinating. It's a it's a battle too between uh, two uh, water dinosaurs. Once they get down to the center of the earth, they encounter all of these different ancient civilizations. Like going back to Agartha. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna spoil the whole book. So, yeah, it's a uh, just know that. Over 100 year old book. Like, it's a very old book. It's like, yeah, yeah it's very, it's like 140 years old. Yeah. Uh, this is 1864. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> uh, once they get down there, he uses very much the Agartha theory where there is a lot of extinct species and even, I think, people and things like that are like forms of people and uh, plants and all of that. And there's just tons of ocean. That was his big thing is there was a lot of ocean down at the concave of the earth. Uh, but it is uh, between an ichthyosaurus and a plesiosaur. And the quoted passage, just for fun on this one, uh, those two animals attacked each other with indescribable fury. They raised mountainous waves, which rolled as far as the raft, so that a score of times we were on the point of capsizing. Hissing noises of tremendous intensity reached our ears. The two monsters were locked together and could no longer be distinguished from one another. Uh, it's just really interesting for him to throw that in. I mean, it's something that inspired, like, you want to talk about weird branches of inspiration. I mean, it's what gave us Jurassic Park. I mean, all of the movies that we've had where dinosaurs are fighting each other. Turok, things like that. King Kong. I mean, like, all of these different things. Hollow Earth I leads to this dinosaurs. story, which then inspires Clearly. further... To like all these other stories that we have now. Yeah. It's just one of those interesting uh, bridges. And again, while it's not like strictly something that's hollow earth, it is about extinct animals surviving in, in like the only way that would be possible. How dinosaurs managed to squeeze through tiny waterways. They fell through. There's not a giant hole. They can't. They would have to roll down a cavern. Yeah. Into the water. Don't ask questions. <laughs> The meteor came and it just made it just, it just flipped the crust. Yeah, yeah. Just another like they, like all of a sudden they're like, oh, we have a roof now. <laughs> now this is Wahapa. where this is where you might Imagine. be wondering. Yeah. They take a long time to travel down to the center of the Earth because it is a lot. It's it's there's a huge width. Like the majority of the time, the center of the Earth is thought to be about fifteen hundred miles down. That's uh, for the hollow Earth, or at its thinnest point, it's five hundred miles. So they have to travel at their thinnest point 500 miles through the earth, right? In theory. Okay. And you might be thinking, well, walking back up that would be a pain. Also, at this point in the story, they're like lost on a raft for like days. They're, just, they're floating through the center of the planet on a raft. Uh, well, he has an answer for this. They brought explosives, luckily. They blow up a boulder in front of a hole. Just a, any boulder? Just any boulder. Just it's, pick one. No, there's a boulder in front of a hole and they blow it up. How do they know it's a hole if you can't see it if it's in front of it? They blow it up and it releases a bunch of pressure, which sends the ocean flying through it okay. and pushes them on the raft for hours out until they launch out of the ocean. Out out onto the hour. Like on our side? Yeah. Oh, cool. So, wait. Hey. Whoa. <laughs> but see, here's the thing Science about corner. this. Is this... <laughs> This brings up something that I hadn't really thought about. And like you said, like what point does Vern have in terms of adding something to the hollow earth theory? While he may have played on a lot of other things, he added pressure down there. Yeah. The pressure is so great that it pushes water against gravity out. Yes. For at least 1,500 miles. 
Okay. Through a water chasm. pushes the raft safely up out of the ocean. Mm Mm-hmm. At one point, they're just laying on the raft, and one of them lights a candle. Yeah. Uh, Nice. But that's why I want to bring that part up, because I do think it's interesting that he added that pressure. What I don't understand is why that pressure matters, but the hole they came out of doesn't. Because that's open. If they came through a much smaller hole... Are you trying to? You, I'm, I'm are trying. we converting you to the rational no. side of Hollow Earth? He'll get it. <laughs> no. One thing I would like to say about Jules Verne before we move on is he simultaneously has these brilliant leaps of um, thought where he's uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is essentially about a nuclear submarine. Like. A hundred years before that was even a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, a different story, I don't remember what, involved um, men launching to the moon by bricking themselves into a sphere and then having like a water spout shoot them into space. I think that's Earth to moon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, he has a delightful mix of like really prescient science and then also really precious science. <laughs> I think that's what makes it, this so great though, is like Hollow Earth was able to inspire him on the science side. Like we wouldn't have had a lot of his stories if it wasn't for it, weirdly enough. Um, including he eventually wrote, this is just kind of a fun thing, he wrote a sequel to the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym. Hmm. Long after Poe's death, it was released in 1897, which is like 50 years after Poe died. Um, and it's called the Sphinx of the Ice Fields, but I just think, I just find it interesting that he also wrote another hollow earth story just to, as fan fiction, basically, of Poe's story. You know what I want to hear about? Hmm. More fan fiction. Yeah. Send us your hollow earth fan fiction. Send us your Jules Verne fan fiction. Yeah. In French. Cause that's all he spoke. Right. Of course. Um. I want to hear about these random people that Robert has put on this. Uh, yes. So Explain. Um, I found a, a few people, and uh, let's start with uh, Willie Otto Oscar Lay. Okay. Um, Oscar Lay. <laughs> who, um, I couldn't actually find anything to substantiate this. I thought was the, um, air quotes, inventor of ley lines. Um, for those of you who don't know, those are... I can't keep the scorn out of my voice. Lines of power that exist all throughout the... Natural lines of power. Yeah, natural lines of power. What kind of power, you ask? Don't worry about it. Where they cross, you get more energy. Cool. More power. Ley lines are very important. So, (laughs) (laughs) Willie Otto Oscar Ley uh, was a self-styled cryptozoologist. Our kind of man. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, why I uh, wrote him down. He doesn't really do a, a lot. He writes a few books that feature the Hollow Earth, but just the concept of him studying cryptozoology, uh, claiming to be a, a zoologist um, and a geologist, uh, and also having a very staunch interest in rocketry to the point where he was actually, along with Werner von Braun, um, consulted on Fritz Lang's Woman in the Moon, which is one of the first space travel movies. Um, hmm. It's it's it's, uh, it's fun. Uh, he actually, I believe, worked on building a prop rocket for the premiere. Uh, and Fritz Lang praised him as saying, like, oh, his measurements are so accurate and so specific. He's good <laughs> at math. Yeah. He do it. Um, 
And then uh, he goes on to publish a book called Do Dinosaurs Still Exist? Yes. <laughs> Straight to the point. I like it. Yeah. Um, you, you don't pick up that book and wonder, I wonder what this is about. Yeah. Um, quite apart from the fact that dinosaurs kind of do exist in the form of birds and alligators and whatnot, he believes that they're in the hollow earth. Nice. Yep. He's a believer. Yep. He's a believer. And um, also just famously stable individual. So does he try to... <laughs> so this is like a nonfiction. Like he's trying to prove it. Or is he just saying, like, oh, they're in the hollow earth? Yeah. It's, I wouldn't say that he's trying to prove it. I wouldn't point to either fiction or nonfiction as what this book is. Opinion. Yes. Because <laughs> um, he seemed... As I was researching him, it seemed like he was just excited about these ideas, but maybe didn't necessarily think they were true. He was just sort of like, oh, man, wouldn't it be cool? Or that's what you want to think. Yeah. Well, fucking skeptic. <laughs> yeah, it could be that he really, really did believe all of these things. Um, I wanted to like include the fact that he was interrogatory and uh, uh, protege of von Braun, just because this guy was smart. Like a lot of these uh, scientists that we're coming across who are um, suggesting the Hollow Earth as a real theory, they've accomplished other things, and we're mostly right about them. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, like, the only inherently probably dumb one that we've come across is Teed, who honestly did not really... Wasn't a scientist in the slightest. Well, he was a self-proclaimed alchemist. Self-proclaimed, too. No one else called him that. Yeah, because nobody uses the word alchemist anymore. Well, they did then. (laughs) Did they? (laughs) I didn't live then. (laughs) Yeah. Have you you? been to the Hollow Earth? Yeah. We're in it right now. Did you forget? I did. (laughs) He did an experiment. That's right. He did an experiment. The rectilineator. The the, the rectal... The earth curves upwards. It curves upwards. Yeah, which also, by the way, that's not what rectilinear means. It actually means it's something that's straight. So flat earth. Yeah. Well, it was called the rectilineator, though, because the whole point was that it was straight, so that if you start, like, it would have to start lifting. Oh, it's straight to measure the curve. Oh, cool. All right. You've definitely convinced me. (laughs) Science. You definitely converted him. Okay. Fiction. Books. Books. It was written about the hollow earth because it's such a convincing theory that people were like, fuck yeah. Twas written. Twas written. Twas indeed. (laughs) Um, Uh, I wrote down one guy who um, wasn't really anything important. Uh, His name is Walter Siegemeister. One, I just love that name. Two, I love his... I'm Mr. (laughs) Siegemeister. I'm Mr. Fort. He wrote under uh, a pseudonym, Dr. (laughs) Raymond Bernard. Dr. Y. Yeah. um, So he wasn't a doctor, but wanted to seem like he was smart and... I did, just, it tickled he... me so much that you could write a pen name, write under a pen name and give yourself a doctorate. Yeah, did he do one of those mail-in doctorates, like where you just <laughs> mail a letter to somebody and, oh, you're a doctor now. Congratulations. Congrats. Yes. There you go. I, I'm a doctor of homeopathy, yeah. um, and I'm pretty sure the earth, the earth is hollow. He's pretty recent, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was, 67, um, I want to say, yes. he released his book. He and Lay were about the same 
uh, were contemporaries of each other. Modern theory. Yeah. Well, I mean, we say modern. At this point, it's pretty much been universally accepted that this is not the case, that the Earth is not hollow. By most right-thinking individuals. Oh, no. Cameron. I don't know. You're one out of four in this room. I don't know. I'm saying that this (laughs) Dr. Bernard, who also may or may not have founded a... the fruitarian breatharian movement. What? Because he did. What? Uh, so Bernard oh, has been this is under. Oh, the guy you looked up. Yeah, Bernard. He was in the book that I read. Uh, oh. Bernard was under constant scrutiny. He was uh, a German educated man, even though it seems like he might have been American. Actually, it's hard to say. He moved to Germany at one point to be educated, then moved back to America. But it's hard to say whether or not he was German in the first place. His name is not Bernard. Uh, it was something else, like, uh, what is it? Ray- no. Raymond Bernard? No, it, he changed it. So I can't remember what his original name was. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's Walter Siegemeister. Yeah, 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 Walter yeah. Siegemeister. You not yeah. listen? Yeah, that's <laughs> right, I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, Walter Siegemeister, but he changed it to Bernard. Mm. And he created, after having like this whole business of putting, of, like, putting out these drugs, he was con- convicted of fraud by the FDA. And then changed his name. And then created the Breatharian Fruitarian movement while simultaneously writing about Hollow Earth. This guy gets around. Well, he, if you don't know what the, the Breatharian slash Fruitarian thing, it's where, it's like any any fun diet, like the paleo diet or, you know, um, pescatarian, uh, vegetarian. These people claim that they survive off of breathing alone. That is their food. Which is why it's called Breatharian. Okay, but continue. (laughs) They don't eat, but you need to like you need sustenance. So they claim that they're not eating; they're basically just smoothies, just straight fruit. They just eat smoothies, but they call it not eating. I just think that's wild. It's ridiculous. Um, Let's move away from this. Let's move as far. Let's go back to Hollow Earth. One of my favorite little stories about the Hollow Earth that. May not be true. Uh, a lot of propaganda was flying around during World War II. But uh, apparently, Hitler was a hollow earther. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah. Um, and specifically, he subscribed Ow. to the, um, I guess, Koreshian version. The Koreshian theory. Where we are on the interior of the hollow earth. Uh, and <laughs> and he attempted to spy on the British by oh. pointing infrared cameras up at the night sky. I, so he could take pictures of the British, Yes, right? of the British yeah. fleet movements. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, again, unsubstantiated, but God, I hope it's true. Now, why would he point at the sky? Because it'll reflect off the shell, right? It's because they're on the other side of the shell. Yeah. Yeah. That's what... No, well, because... here's the crazy part, though, because I was thinking about this, too. Um, Britain and Germany, in terms of, like, the geographic location on the surface of the Earth, not far apart. No, that's what I was thinking, Wouldn't too. Wouldn't really make it... If, if... if you shoot it straight up, I don't feel like it would go to the UK. Yeah, it'd go no. to, like, the Indian Ocean or something. It'd be the other side. Also, how hard would it be to hit exactly what you're looking for? Like did one specific math? base. I want to know if yeah. they did the math. The Nazis, <laughs> those Nazi scientists were usually well, pretty yeah, smart. But I, I mean, mean, they weren't stupid oh, yeah. necessarily. It seems like they were with this specific story. They were terrible people, but they weren't always so stupid, which is why America adopted them. Yep. Uh, but, well, 
this was not their brightest idea. This was, yeah. Yeah, he supposedly attended, like, a correction meeting, like, when he was Hitler? young. Yeah, and that he's been, like, he was... What do you even call that? Like, an inside earther? Like, what do you... Because yeah. we got, like, flat concave earthers, earther. a concave earther. I think... Yeah, I, I put earther? concave earth theory. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so I guess, like, concave earther, but apparently he was that for, like, most of his life. That's the theory, like you said. Gets a it's, little crazier than that, though. Yeah. I like to think that it's true, though. Yeah, because I think it's more fun. Can I get a little, a little conspiracy madness on you? Sure. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you know how Atlantis uh-huh. sunk, right? Uh, supposedly that sunk into the Earth. Um, yeah. So the Atlanteans are actually like very superior giant beings that are living inside the Earth and are basically gods, right? So Hitler believed. One of these Atlantean gods would actually come up to where they are or whatever and tell him that his his Aryan master race are the master race. Okay. Confirming his ideology here. Oh, um, I forgot about that part in Disney's Atlantis. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Remember when they tell Milo that the Aryans are the master race? And that they're Hitler sympathizers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, um, it, it, when they're going through the town, they go through the market, there's like one guy selling Nazi gold. <laughs> um, so, like, Hitler is supposedly, like, haunted by these dreams, and he, like, really thinks that this god is, like, visiting him and, like, scrutinizing him. And so he really is hoping that basically his Third Reich members are going to be recognized as equal as, with these gods. Hmm. I really hope this is true. <laughs> I also really I hope think this it's is fucking true. amazing. Yeah, it's pretty good. I would also like to just like let's break down what would happen. An island sitting on the outside yes. of a hollow sphere. Let's just for the moment for the moment, Cameron, accept that this is the case. Yes. For all of time. <laughs> the island sinks. The people, whatever, say they, like, survive, but it's going to come out the other side and the island's going to be upside down. I, right? Yeah, you'd think. I feel like that would create a lot more problems. See, I think what you're not thinking about the fact, though, is that it wasn't upside down when it came out. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh, my God. I often like It's to, like you're pouring sand I, into the machinery I of my I often <laughs> like to think about it. Or no, it's like an iceberg. The The bottom side is bigger. So it's going to be underneath. It just floats right up. Okay, you know what? That like actually is a valid little yeah. uh, suggestion for my question. And that only infuriates me more. <laughs> Real science from Cameron. Do we have any more on the Nazis? I mean, it's also possible, though, um, that the Atlanteans created uh, their own island. And that we're not talking about a piece of land. We're talking about what's so. basically a like floating, like just like a boat, like a vessel. Okay, well, if we're talking, if about, we're talking Atlantis about that, now, I have some shit. Well, you were still talking about uh, one one of the things with the Nazis uh, in terms of like the Aryan thing uh, is they supposedly have have uh, an island in the, the their own island, not just an Atlantean island. Oh yeah, inside the Hollow Earth, and that's where oh, they yeah. went after the Nazis lost the war. Oh yeah, because Hitler supposedly is in the Hollow Earth, right? right. And with his anti-aging oh. machine. Yeah, what? Hitler's Hitler's also there. There's dinosaurs and mammoths and Hitler. What is this Flash Gordon nonsense? <laughs> it's exactly that. Yeah. Uh, Do you have anything else on Nazis? And Hollow Earth? I have a lot against Nazis. Well, yeah, I, okay. that's fine. Yeah. We all harbor that. 
What I, I want to know. Allie taking a strong stance against Nazis. Fuck Nazis. Wow, I can't believe it. <laughs> no, no, actually, <laughs> the age we live in. Yeah, everyone in this room is against Nazis. We're... <laughs> I can't believe it. I'm just surprised what, Hitler never tried to launch a rocket straight up to get to a different continent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going That's to escape At some point, it would be down and it would just crash. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Maybe he's like in a rocket up in space right now, and he's gonna come back in like twenty years, like Planet of the Apes. And he thinks he's on a different planet, but it was Earth the whole time. Allie has something to say. <laughs> we were talking about Atlanteans, and I want to get really fucking weird. Yeah. Do oh, we good. To... We're not already there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, honey, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so in the fucking nineteen forties, there's this. I guess it's, is it a magazine? It's technically, it's a magazine, right? Yeah. Like some kind of like amazing story, like some sort of like science fiction thing. I think. And it's, it's published by this guy named Ray Palmer, not the Adam. Um, and they post just, you know, like weird conspiracy science fiction stories. Um, usually it's specified as fiction, okay? So there's this guy. Cam tells me he was mentally ill. I didn't see that in the story that I wrote, but I that explains that a lot of stuff. End. Um, there's this guy, his name is uh, Richard Shaver. He sends in a story to Palmer um, that he claims is 100% real, okay? And it's this wild thing where he, he claims that he found an ancient lost language from a subterranean race, basically the Hollow Earth language, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and there's all kinds of shit in here. Um, what is the race called? Abandoned arrows. Abandoned arrows. Otherwise known as the Darrows. Yes. Well, the Darrows are the degenerative version. Well, yeah, and the the race of Atlanteans is the Titan Atlans. Yes. Yeah. There's the Atlans that are the Titans from Atlantis. Okay. There's the abandoned Darrows that are the leftovers, basically Mm. the ones that receded into the earth. Can be shortened to Darrows, which is also demons. Demons. Um, so they're like these weird little cave dwellers. Um, and they're sending, they supposedly sent a warning directly to Shavers that they're going to come up and take over the world. Okay. So he's like sending out a warning to these people. Um, let's see. The ones that are less degenerative are the Tiros, but they're similar to the Atlans. So the, the, in this version, apparently there's no sun on the inside of the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam wrote some weird stuff about the, the Deros. Uh, do you want to describe them real quick? Because you read you read the little article. It's not that there's no sun on the inside of the earth. In this version, there is sun on the inside of the earth. The Deros are not allowed on the inside of the earth. They so are, the are they? slave the race caverns? that was created oh, yes, by yes, the yes, Titan yes. Atlans. And they live in between us and the Atlanteans. So like purgatory-ish. Kind of. I mean, they just live in caves. I mean, they just live in caverns. They're these weird... Yeah. Fat, nippleless, nailless. Uh, this is real. Uh, the site I read this off of said it's real multiple times. Uh, I, I see. They, they also have no rectums. They have no rectums. Yes, uh, and they have no teeth, and they are, How are a they weird pinkish gray color. They're born. Out. What are they born out of? They hatch from four six-foot diameter eggs. Yeah, big old. They're eggs. eggs. Um, yeah, so 
there's there's a few theories that say that there are giants on the inside of the earth and that's the superior race right mm -hmm. so these are in this in this version they're the titans that are the basically the master race from um, a combination of atlantis lemuria and mew which all have kind of similar stories a pokemon yes <laughs> mew hell yeah og mew and they're they're the giant the, the, the better beings, okay? Mm -hmm. And they're the inside the actual hollow earth part, okay? Um, and then all of us up here are basically leftovers that didn't evolve because something with the sun I saw, I didn't write that down. Um, <laughs> so we're like weird. Oh, that was too weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it wasn't weird enough. Okay. Uh. So he, Palmer takes this stuff that Shavers is sending him. And basically, just he he manipulates it to his own good. He gets a huge amount of readers from this. He's getting thousands and thousands of letters asking about it, uh, probably because it was claimed this is true. Um, and let's see. Here's a quote from it as well. It said, The UFOs are piloted by an ancient underground race who remain undecided whether to enslave or to assist the surface dwellers. Well, the UFOs, that was The after UFOs are in there as well. That that has something to do... I forgot that part. ...beyond sorry. Shaper, yeah. Um, I forgot to mention that the Atlanteans actually escaped. The Atlans escaped sinking Atlantis by flying away in UFOs. Woohoo! So there's UFOs on the inside of the Earth. Great. Fantastic. Where did the idea of the UFOs on the inside of the Earth come from? Didn't come from Shaper. There was a pilot uh, <laughs> around... What was it? It was in the 40s. Uh... The first mention ever of flying saucers, um, where he saw strange objects, and his exact quote is, they were going across the sky, skipping like a saucer. Now, Palmer, who is very much like an Alan Klein, like if you remember our Beatles, Paul is Not Dead episode, how Alan Klein kind of controlled the Beatles just for his mm -hmm. own gain. Mm -hmm. Palmer was very much, he's very good at this. Uh, he was like this for the publishing world though, for conspiracies. And after he had kind of used up Shaver, Shaver went crazy. He kind of lost his mind. He believed a demon named Max was stalking him and his family, uh, that the demon killed his brother, his brother did die. Uh, and while he was in, uh, unfortunately for Shaver, while he was in a mental facility, his wife also had died uh, she tried to move a heater while she was sitting in a bathtub, and she was electrocuted to death. Uh, so he had a lot of troubles. He ended up kind of falling out of the picture. Palmer was looking for something else to grab onto. Well, of course, you have a pilot who claims that he sees unidentified flying objects. And what Palmer ended up doing is saying, no, you didn't see something that flew that you didn't notice. You saw flying saucers. So they changed the story, and that's how we got flying saucers. And they claimed that this came from the already established in this magazine Atlantean community that lives yes. inside the Earth. So UFOs are actually from inside, not outside. Right. Yeah. Mm. And that's where this shit gets wild in like modern theories, is they add all kinds of weird stuff to this. Mm -hmm. UFOs and Atlantis, and not it gets so interesting. Usually. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I heard um, the. Uh, that there's a thing that the lizard people come from the mm, interior yeah. of the hollow earth as well. Anything weird. Yeah, it seems <laughs> like the hollow earth is just a catch-all for the origin of whatever your favorite conspiracy <laughs> theory is. Yeah, either where they came from or where they went. Yes, or, or both. Or yeah, or, yeah, both. Came yeah. from and went back to. Mm -hmm. Just like the ancient myths, half of which were, this is where 
people come from, half of them were, this is where we go when we die. Mm-hmm. Pretty neat. Pretty morbid. Pretty neat. Yeah. I feel like I need something about maybe a real-life person. An admiral or something. I don't know. What's his name? His name is... Wait for it. Uh-huh. Admiral Dickbird. Yeah. Yep. Otherwise known as Richard. Dickbird. Yeah, I think he was more known as Richard, but we he like to call him Dicky Bird. Dicky Bird. His middle name was E. Richard E. Bird, but it's more fun to say Dicky Bird. Bird. But Dickie our Bird. yeah, our admiral here was known for flying across the poles, and yep. he didn't see shit. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah. That's the basis here. Almost as if there weren't any there. So <laughs> he wasn't looking for Sims holes or anything like that. Uh, he was looking just, he was just an exploratory, uh, like, aviator. He had established, I believe it's called Little America, the first base, uh, the first, like, military base that we had in uh, Antarctica. And he, the part of where the conspiracy comes from, from him it's not even just that he flew over the poles, but uh, oddly, he seemed to have lived in Little America by himself for like two years. And no one really knows why or what he did there, but it was all for the government. Hmm. So he was doing things there by himself for like two years. And it's very it's very odd to just leave someone in the middle of the Antarctic yeah. wilderness. Like just straight up ice everywhere by themselves. One of your famed pilots. Yes. And there are conflicting stories. Some people say that he claimed, that Bird himself claimed, that he encountered a civilization when he flew through the holes. Now, the whole he flew through the holes theory comes from the fact that they say that when he flew over the Antarctic uh, continent, that he eventually came across lush vegetation and... What, like pristine water and that the temperature rose, which is something consistent that you hear from explorers around that area, at least in terms of this conspiracy, is that the temperature rises the further forward you move into Antarctica. Basically, there's like an, a winter oasis, right? Right. Like where there's suddenly like green trees and shit and it's like 72 degrees or something. Right. And in the middle of the Antarctic. And people <laughs> say this is all the stuff that he claimed. There are no quotes from him saying this. The yeah. only quote is one quote, which is that he... Uh, he want he would like to see the land beyond the pole. People took that out of context, and they took it as you mean land beneath the pole. You, took, you right. mean hollow? They took it as when you're dude. flying because of the way it works. When you'll just fly into the hole rather than being able to fly over it, it'll kind of pull you in. Yeah. Um, there is basically nothing that he has directly said that would lead anyone to believe that there's anything up there other than more snow. They claim he said it. They claim that the documents are not there anymore, though. They said that no. the records were there <laughs> I mean, originally. Really? And that there's I mean, pe- how most people do Well, this. here's the thing, though, is that there's people who say that, who were alive at the time, who say that they remember interviews with him, they remember him talking about it, and they remember different things like this being talked about, but no one can find the records of it anymore. So you do have people who have witnessed it, supposedly. But you can't find any records of it. He himself has never come out and said it. His family has actually come out multiple times and said, if anyone knows where these claims came from, please tell us because we are honestly fascinated in whether or not he saw, like our grandfather or whatever he is at this point, uh, saw anything remotely close to a hollow earth. 
because they don't have any records of it. Mm. And his journal is gone. He kept a very detailed journal. It's in the Hollow Earth. And it is <laughs> it is completely gone though. It's there with the dinosaurs. It's probably yeah. just locked up with a bunch of other blocked out files. Or it was eaten honestly. by a stegosaurus. If he was in Little America by himself for two years, he was doing something for the government. What he was doing there Maybe he was reading is classified. Books. Honestly, he's probably just sitting there watching the way the wind changes, if you want to be honest, because government conspiracies oftentimes boil down to the most boring They were not doing anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The reason why there's no documents of it other than his journal would be because there's no point other than his journal, which has the information that they needed. If they need that information, they're going to take it. Also, the government losing documents is not rare. Yeah. They lose things all the time. All the time. Constantly lose things. Governments are made up of a bunch of people, and people are very fallible. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's a pretty accepted um, metric that, like, spending six months by yourself leads to madness, like, 100% of the time. Nah. You're not supposed to spend that much time by yourself. Yeah. Like, solitary confinement, I think it is six months, is when people start to, like, see things and talk to themselves, and they start to lose it. Yeah. yeah, so this guy was there for two years. Like, my disbelief stems from, I bet you he wasn't alone. Like, he I can imagine a small snowman. research team. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can just imagine oh, a really talking sitting in the field position, movie? rolling back like and forth. Yeah. Uh, I'm an admiral! Away. <laughs> cast away, but with a snowman in the Yeah. What do you think of that, Cameron? That's conspiracy. What do you think um, of that? Cool. So thanks for bringing us down <laughs> to Earth. I think Jason should take down us... Down to Earth. Way out of Earth. Yeah, you ever played? All right, you ever played Gears of War, my dude? Oh, oh my I god, have. yeah, I have. Yeah. Why? So what? That's new. Yeah. I've played it. Oh, that's crazy. Cool. Who's the enemy in Gears of War? Fuck, I don't know. They're the locust. Where they come oh, yeah, from? Yeah. They come from the ground, dude. Well, where in the ground? Underground in the hollow earth. Because there's a shit. whole like world underneath. Uh, it's not even Earth. It's what's the what's the planet from Gears of War? Oh, they're not on Earth? No. Oh. That's the thing, is they're not on. So it doesn't, they don't believe in Hollow Earth. They just subscribe to the theory of it. Okay, but like, there's I guess. also... Hollow planet. <laughs> yeah, I guess because it, it's a hollow planet. Yeah. But that's, that was Sims theory, right? That yeah. all, everything is hollow. So like, it's still, yeah, uh-huh. still makes sense. Only Every... it's not a utopia. It's a fucking dirty, grimy, disgusting thing where the bad guys live. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's, it. it's like that, I played I, those levels. Yeah, like that. that like, it takes place on Sarah. Sarah. Is it actually hollow, or are we talking about now? This is where again we talked about you can get into semantics with this, or is this subterranean caverns? It's. I would say it's oh, hollow because when you play those levels, it, they're like expansive. Yeah, the backgrounds are really expansive. Caverns it's not are just, big, though. Yeah. I mean, cavern. caverns are huge, and we continually find bigger and bigger caverns. Well, if it's a hollow earth, wouldn't it just be one big cavern? Well, that's what, that's what I'm asking is like, is it like one big cavern? Cause I remember playing the games and I don't remember whether or not like, it's the idea of you're in like another world in that concave, or if it's like you're going through multiple different tunnels that are all connected. This is why we said for the intents and purposes of this, for the most part, it's the same thing, yeah. but uh, yeah. But I'm under the impression that they're like a, a, a subterranean, like they're a digging species. Like they have to dig through something. It's not just a big open air environment. Much like yeah. the Mole Men. Yes, much like the Mole Men. It's a real movie that was made about Hollow Earth as well. Yeah. 
That's all we got. So that's all we got. Yeah. yeah, that's all. Thanks for listening. This was part two. Yeah. We're still fucking going because we got a part three. Uh huh. Yes. And that's where Robert's gonna shine his light oh, yeah. on Hollow Earth. Yeah, I've been sitting here patiently biding. He's my gonna time. be that tiny little sun. Sick. Yeah, giving us all the the inspiration we need. All right. Um, Praise the sun. Stay Praise tuned next time, class, and bring your notebooks. There will be a test. Praise the hollow sun. Yeah. This um, has been Hollow Earth Part Two. I'm Allie, that's Jason, that's Cameron, that's what was your name this time? Engelbert? Engelbert. Engelbert, yeah. Right. Also Engelbert. known as Robert. AKA. Nah, we don't need his real name. Um, <laughs> he'll be back again. Or will he? Uh, you can follow us Find on out. Facebook nice and tweet. Twitter. Robert also doesn't have any social media, just like Jason, so yeah. it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can follow me on Goodreads. You can yeah. follow me in real life. I, I wouldn't like that though. <laughs> Please don't do that. I'm just gonna do it and start sending you videos. Oh, oh god, I'd fucking have a panic attack. Don't do that. I won't. Okay. It won't be me. See you next week, I'll kids. <laughs> no, jeez. Bye. Uh, follow us on social media. Stay stitches. Tell us, give us good reviews. <laughs> <laughs>